We are continuing our series called Shape to Make a Difference. And the amazing truth is whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, um, you're a masterpiece. You know, that's what we keep talking about in Ephesians 4, is that you're a masterpiece, that, that you've been created by God for a purpose, for good works that he prepared um, before you were even born, you know. As, and so this is like, this is so, so exciting, you know. And if you really thought about it, that, that you are God's masterpiece, um, it would change your life, wouldn't it? It's like, man, I'm a masterpiece. And God has this real and significant purpose for your life. You're not just here to live. You know, we're not just here to live X amount of years and then get old and then die. But, but, but we're here on planet Earth for a reason. And, and the truth is, our time here on earth, this really isn't our home. That there's a place awaiting us in heaven. And that's our home. And if you think about our life, it's this short compared to all of eternity. And if God really did, and he does, love us enough to send his son, the Lord Jesus, to come and die for us. And if he's at home in heaven, wouldn't he want us to be with him right away. I got a daughter in LA and I would love for her to be home right now, right now. I don't want to wait four months or whatever it is. But, but God says, instead of you coming straight home, I have a purpose for you on planet Earth. And it's a short amount of time, but you have a purpose. And then when your purpose is done and your time's done, come on home, you see. And so we got this amazing purpose. We're here, and God's given us, we're just, a, we're just a complex combination of all kinds of things and different parts that makes us unique. In fact, Psalm 139 verse 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, talking about God, and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. And then in Job 10, it says, your, talk about God, your hands, God's hands, shaped me and made me. And that's kind of what this whole series is about, is understanding and learning how God has loved us and, and shaped us in a unique way. And shape kind of refers to these five parts that make us who we are, you know. And uh, we're going to look at each part of these these five, you know, five parts every week, you know, uh, shape is an acrostic. Last week was S, it was spiritual gift, right? And, you know, we're looking at our spiritual gifts, and if you're in a small group, you do an exercise, and I heard people talking, yeah, you know, I heard one person says, yeah, my gift of mercy is really low, and, you know, we were talking yesterday, um, I had a, a small leadership group, and uh, we were talking about that, and one person's... Um, gift of mercy is really high. Mine is not really, really that high. You know, we're talking about it, and I talk about this all the time, about how, you know, you got these characters walking across the street, you know, and they're walking really slow. And when you're looking at them, they walk even slower, like, you know, right? And I, I, t I tell this story all the time, you know, it's about why this illustrates the gift of mercy, because I have the gift of wisdom, right? And so I figured, you know, I wish I had the gift of healing. I mean, physical healing would be so great, right? Why? Because if that guy started to cross the street and he looked at me like, what? And it's like going really slow, I'd run him over. 
right? Run him over, and then I back up, and I go there, and I pray for God to heal him. God raises him from the dead, and I say, you know what? Next time, when you're in that crosswalk, you just walk across. You don't just give attitude and walk slowly. And you know what? It would be a win-win because he would learn, right? He would learn not to do this, and I would have the pleasure. I would, no, I, you know, I, you see? And then the gift of mercy person was like, oh, you can't do that. You're not gonna I said, no, but we have the gift of healing. He'd come back to life. It doesn't matter. You know, right? Adina probably got the gift of mercy. You wouldn't never, like, right? Yeah, there was, oh, no, look, there's an ant on that crosswalk. I better wait, right? I mean, you know, that's what Adina would do. But, you know, that's gifts in operation, you see. And like we talked about the hospital, when you go to the hospital, you want someone who has a high gift of mercy. You want someone who has the gift of healing, right? Wouldn't you want that person to go? You wouldn't want someone who doesn't have the gift of mercy, right, to go, oh, what do you have? Oh, I have a problem with my liver. Oh, yeah, I just had someone who just died with that. You, know, and you wouldn't want that, right? You want someone who goes, oh, how are you doing? You know, like that kind of stuff, right? Wouldn't you want that? Or someone who can pray and then, you know? And so spiritual gifts are really important. And as a Christ follower, everybody has at least one, you know? And, and part of it is, we talked about last week, is, you know, we have them. God's given, God has given us, given to us spiritual gifts, but we got to unwrap them. we got to begin to discover and use the gifts that God's given us. And today, what we're going to do, we're going to look at the H. And the H stands for heart. It stands for heart, your heart. And your heart is really important. It might be even more important and more significant in how you live your life than, than what you really think. That your heart is important, and not just your physical. We're not talking about your physical heart. But the heart that we're talking to you is vital. And so we're going to look at that. You can follow along in your notes. You got that in your bulletin. <clears throat> but the thing is, your heart is vital <clears throat> to your shape. I mean, your heart is vital to you. You've got to know your heart. It, you need to understand your heart in order to really live a life of purpose. And I'm praying that today God's Holy Spirit would kind of open your eyes to see like, wow, you know, this is really important. My heart is really important. The Bible uses the word heart so often to describe the motivations that you have. You know, um, it, another word is, is passion, right? That your heart refers to your passion. What are your desires? What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What, what are the things you care about? What are the things that you love to do? Those things refer to your heart. And isn't it true that there's some things that, that you care about really, really deeply and there's other things you couldn't care less about, right? I mean, and that, that, that is an indication of where your heart is at. You're not going to love everything. You're not, not going to care about everything. But what are those things you really care about? Care about That kind of shows you where your heart is. And in Proverbs 27, verse 19, the Bible says, As the face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. That your heart is what makes you you. You know, that God made you to have this emotional heartbeat that kind of races over certain things when you encounter them. And it's like other things, your heart doesn't even like, it doesn't really care, you see. But there's certain things that, that makes your heart race, you know. One of the things for me is, is when I see people and, 
and that they, you, you begin to see them uh, really beginning to take their relationship with the Lord serious and they're beginning to serve Him and, and they're beginning to step out in service and they're beginning to do things. You know, when I see them doing things that they haven't done before and taking that step of faith, man, that really excites me. That's like, man, this is like the greatest thing. You know, there's, or like, you know, I talk about Jared and Jared was in our college group way, way back when and he didn't even play the guitar and then and he got together with a guy and decided to play the guitar and and began to understand what some of his giftings were and where his heart was. He had a heart for, for worship, you know. And, and the first day that, that he went up and, and led our church in worship at Mauna Lagarns Missionary Church, that was like the greatest day for me. It was like, it was better than if I was up there. But to see Jared up there and he's just being who God created him to be, see, that makes my heart race, you know. And there are things that, makes your heart just skip a beat. And those are the things that when we begin to look at how, you're, how you are shaped, that's part of your wiring when it comes to your passions and your heart. And the Bible tells us that your heart determines three things. One thing it does, it's, it determines why I say the things I do. <clears throat> you know, your heart is why you say the things you do. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, A good person... Uh, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart, you see. So it determines why you say the things you do. Not only that, it determines why you feel the way you feel. You know, and in Hebrews chapter 4, it says the word of, the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of what? Of your heart. And so you feel the way you do because of your heart. You see, Barry has this gigantic gift of mercy, so he goes to the movie, sees the war room, and he's like, <laughs> you know, he's crying. And other people, you know, David Seal might go there, and he's just like, clappy, this is a good movie, but no tears, you see? And your heart determines the way you feel. It also determines why you act the way you do. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, guard your hearts. And this is so important, that we guard our hearts above all else. This is so, so, so important. You've got to guard your heart. Why do you have to guard your hearts? For it determines the course of your life. See, out of your heart comes the things that the way you act and the things you do. And so you got to guard your heart. It doesn't say guard your mind. It says guard your heart. And your heart, your passions, gives you a reason uh, for living. You know, this desire to just like, I got to do, that's your heart. It doesn't matter whether you're old or you're young or... Or, you know, doesn't matter who you are, where you are. It's your heart, your passions that motivate you to do the things you do and the things you don't do. And there's this woman, Agatha Burgess, and she lives in a small mill town in South Carolina. And she gets up every morning at 5 o'clock to cook. And she does this five days a week, you know, for 15 years. Agatha is like 80 years old right now. And she gets up, and she cooks from 5 o'clock. She gets up, cooks meals for, um, you know, Meals on Wheels. You know, it's for homebound seniors who just can't get out. And that, you know, they at least have one nutritious meal. So 
She cooks up the food. Somebody comes to pick it up. She gives it off to them, and off they go. And at 11 o'clock, you know, these meals that she cooks every morning at 5 o'clock goes out to these uh, seniors. And then what happens? She continues to cook. Because at 12 o'clock at noon, another group of people come. You know, mill workers and judges and truck, you know, truck drivers, they all come. And, 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 and Agatha feeds whoever comes by. And she says, you know, I'm going to make you feel welcome. Eat as much as you want. Get seconds if you want. And she just charges, she just charges them $2.75 for the meal. You know, and she said, well, you know, it's, the reason I, it, it's so reasonable is because I know some people have a hard time paying $2.75. And uh, she says that um, when asked why she does what she does, she says, you know, because I love it. I love doing this. She always wanted to be a, f- a person that lived by the side of the road and to be a friend to people. And so she was asked why she didn't stop and rest. And she said, you know, wouldn't have anything to live for. She I wouldn't have anything to live for. Because these people coming every day, they mean so much to me. You see, that's heart. That's passion. She's going to get up at 5 o'clock. She's going to cook a whole bunch of stuff. She's not making money out of off this. She's probably losing money on all this. And she does it. Why? Because it's like, man, I just love this. You see? Your heart is that internal guidance system that God places in all of us for a purpose and a reason. You might have the same spiritual gifts as someone, but you know your heart may be different, so you're motivated to apply your spiritual gifts in different ways. And you know the same gifts, the same abilities, different heart, different motivation, and different passion. It's so important to understand what, your, what makes your heart beat. Second thing is that it's so important to discover the desires of your heart. And maybe just, you know, like you have it in you is to recognize what they are and understand and discover, like, yeah, that's my heart. That's what I love to do. That's what I was born to do. That nothing makes me more excited than that. What's the first thing you think about when I say Billy Graham? You know, probably evangelism, crusades, or, or preaching or something like that. You know, what, what do you think about when I, when I say Mother Teresa? You know, Compassion for the poor, needy, you know, these kind of things. What we're talking about is their heart's desire. What we think about when we think of these people, really, is, is, it's, it's their heart. It's their passion, that, what motivates them. You know, these are the people, these are people who have discovered what their heart is, and they have begun, and, God, and their God-given desires, and they're beginning to step out and to begin to walk in them. You know, that's what makes them so remarkable, is they know their hearts, and now they're stepping out. You know, what are the passions that God has placed within your heart? You know, what are the things that just get you so excited, that would make you wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning? You know, um, maybe you have a passion, you know, for being outdoors. You just, I just love it when I'm out of the office, ah, just being outside, you know. Um, have you thought about... Uh, how, you know, God wants to use your passion. Maybe passion is music. You know, maybe it's cooking like Agatha. Uh, maybe your passion is, is helping those who are down and out. What are the desires that God has given you? See, it's important, like our spiritual gifts, to discover 
where, where our hearts are and where our passions lie. Now, James White wrote this book called You Can Experience a Purposeful Life. And there's some questions that, that you can ask yourself to discover where your heart, your passions lie. First one is, what do you really care about? You know, what is it that you really care about? If you had an afternoon all to yourself, free of family, work responsibilities, how would you spend it? I, I, I did that, and I, and I saw that, and I thought, you know, one of my hearts, one of my passions must be sleeping then. You know? Because <laughs> if I didn't have nothing to do, I, I think I'd sleep. You know? Um, when I look around and I think something needs to be changed, what area does my mind tend to travel toward? You know, you look around and think, man, you know, this, this thing's got to be changed. You know? And, and I, for part of me, it's like I'm thinking about the next generation. See, part of my heart is raising up the next generations. And that's why when I see Tammy, who is the service director today, and Tammy works at the DOE, and I inevitably somehow going to talk to Tammy about how the DOE is doing. And I said, Tammy, y'all got to get on, get on, move in there. You know, we got to get better at this. You know, Tammy's you. You know, it's on you. You know, we talk, and I talk to her about it. And what about this? You know, when I see principals, like we were at the football game on Friday night, and I saw Kalani's principal, and I, and I, and I went up to him and, you know, talked a little bit. And, and I always think about our principal at McKinley here. But, you know, I, I just tend to, to just move that way. Because I care so much about the next generation. And when I see, you know, the kids struggling in school and all these kind of things, it just kind of just burdens my heart. You know, when I look at our football team, it's not just wins and losses and all that kind of stuff. But when I look at these young men, I'm thinking, you know, where are they going to be in five years, ten years, you know? And that's where my heart is. You know, when you look around and think something needs to be changed, what area does your mind tend to travel toward? What do you dream about? You know, what is it that you just dream about? You know, what would you, what would I do to make every morning feel like Christmas Day? Well, what would you do? You know, you know if, I, if I wasn't doing this, and, or if I retired or whatever, you know, one of the options for me, like I talked about last week, was to be in housekeeping at the Hyatt, right? And just making rooms nice for the guests. Yeah, that was one thing. But if I wasn't doing that, you know, I would, I would love to be a teacher, you know. I would love to be a teacher. And I would love to be a teacher in high school. And, you know, just, I just, it's just my heart is just so burdened by, by seeing these young people, you know, that, that, man, we can do better, you know, what I keep thinking of. They can do better. How much, you know, how much joy it would bring my heart if I saw someone in ninth grade and wasn't doing very good and then, you know, eight years later, you know, he graduating from a four-year university. I mean, how great would that be, you see? What do you dream about? What would make every morning feel like Christmas Day? If you could leave my mark on any area of life, what would it be, you see? Those are questions you ask yourself honestly, and, and it'll begin to help you discover where your heart is. In your small groups, you know, you'll be doing, like, another fun exercise to discover where your heart and your passions lie. You know, the, you have the study guide. I want to encourage you to sign up for a small group. There's exercises, you know, that, that you can take. Like there's the spiritual gift one was the blue one. This week is the pink one. You know, taking your spiritual EKG to kind of help you discover where your heart is. Now, um, 
for those of you who are not in small groups, they think, oh, I'm not in a small group. You know, I would really like to take this thing. And I mean, it's like, you know, I'll, you know what, what can I do? I said, well, join a small group. What if I can't get in a small group? Well, then sorry, tough. You know, just move on. You know, gift of mercy. No, see, what I would say, what we're going to do is if you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you because, you know what, we, we encourage each other. But if for some reason you cannot be in a small group, um, you can just, you know, take this email down. It's smallgroups at kcfhawaii.org. You know, it's in your bulletins under the small group section. You know, it's KCF, I mean, smallgroups at kcfhawaii.org. And if you just kind of email that and you're not in a small group, then maybe we can mail you, you know, the exercise for that week, you know, depending on how I feel. You know, if I'm not in a merciful mood, I'm just going to put, sorry, Joe, this is small group. No, no, I won't. We'll, we'll, we'll get you the thing. All right? Okay. But really, um, sign up for a small group. But if you want, uh, just email that uh, email address. But in your small groups, you'll be doing another fun exercise to help you discover where your heart is. You know? And here's the thing we got to add. Not all your desires and passion lines up with God's purposes. Right? Hitting someone in a crosswalk, you know, who's walking, that is really not God's purpose or design. It really isn't, right? And, and some of the things that we are passionate about, if we're really, really honest, it comes from our selfishness, right? It has nothing to do with God. This is what we want to do for ourselves. Like some people may be passionate about, I mean, really passionate about making money. Now, there's nothing wrong about making money, but what is the motive behind that? What is the motive for doing that? And, and we can see, if we're really honest, some of our motives, some of our passion uh, can be self-centered. Or it can be God-centered. You know? And it's really important to discover what are the passions and the desires that are God-inspired. Because those are the ones that are going to make an eternal difference. Those are the ones that will make God smile. Those are the passions that God shaped you in a unique way for. You know, the Bible tells us that if we align our hearts with God, that, that He will make our true and divinely inspired passions come shining through. And He'll give us the means to fulfill what He's making us passionate about. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Why? Because God is working in you, giving you what? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And that's really important, that God is going to give you the desire, the passion, the heart to do what He's calling you to do, but He's also going to give you the power to do what pleases Him. And when you are walking in those God-focused passions, not only will God say, go get a mark, but He's going to give you the power to accomplish what He's called you to do. And so it's really important to understand that not all our passion, not all our desires are really from God. But we have to discern what they are. Our heart is so vital, so vital to our shape and for living a life that God has purposed us to live. So take time to know what they are. The last thing is this. How do you start living your heart's desires? How, how do you start living out your heart's desires? Well, one is you got to commit your 
you got to commit all of your life to the Lord. You know, what's so important that if you really want to start living your heart's desire, you got to commit all of your life to the Lord. Not 80%, not 90%, but give Him your entire life. That you start to live your heart's desire by making a decision to commit all of your life to Him. And that's a big step of faith. You know, I understand it's a big step of faith to give everything in your life over to God. But it's so, so, so important. It is so important that we do that because the truth is God gave you your heart. He shaped it. But unless you place it fully under His control, it can get misused, perverted, or it just might get wasted. And that happens so easily, you know? And it happens so often. It's so easy to get selfish and just think of ourselves. And we kind of fool ourselves and think, yeah, I think God wants me to do this. But deep down inside, we know. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4, it says, what do we got to do? We got to guard our hearts. It's, we got to guard our hearts above all else. That's how important that is. And some people say, well, you know, I don't really feel passionate about anything. You know, that there's nothing that really revs me up. My suggestion to you is get closer to your Father in heaven. To just draw close to Him. Take time, make time to, to hear from Him in, in His Word, the Bible. That God will speak to you in His Word. That I've learned that the more I get into the Bible, the closer I get to God, and the more excited I get about the things that God is excited about. It's just, it's just the way it is. You know, that's why this is important. And if you're not passionate about anything, like, oh, nothing really, uh, you know, maybe it's because, you know, you've got to wipe the dust off and start getting to know God in His Word. And I would say, you got to make the time. You got to make the, oh, what do I read? You know, and I would just say, you know, just start with the gospel. See the things that Jesus did while He was on earth. And just see, and it's like, man, that's cool. You know, there was this guy, his name was John Wimber, and, and he became a Christian, you know, in California. He was, you know, he was a dude kind of guy, was whatever. And he started to go to a Bible study, and he started to get into the Word. And the more he got into the Word, you know, God began to speak to him. And he was getting into the Word, and they would always talk about it time in and time out. And one day he, he told his small group leader, you know, when do we get to do the stuff? You know? And, and the small group leader said, oh, what do you mean? We're, we're always, we're, we're reading, we're learning about what Jesus did. Yeah, but wouldn't, do we get to do the stuff we read about? And then that set him on a quest. That says, you know, I see Jesus healing people. I see Jesus casting out demons, those things. And so he began to go out. That was his heart. That was his passion. God will speak to him. And he started this movement. And so much of the worship and getting into the presence of God, you know, for the modern church today, because this happened in the 70s and the 80s, but so much of the where the church is, in the, as far as our worship, the way we worship comes from John Wimber and the vineyard. You know? And it was because as he got into here, he got into the word, he kept thinking, you know, this, aren't we supposed to do? Because Jesus said greater things that we're going to do. And he took that to heart. And the more you get into the word, that God will begin to really speak to you. And then you begin to discover what your desires are. And it's so important to commit all of your life to the Lord. The second thing is you got to seek God and ask Him to sync your heart with His. That, that you got to seek God 
and you got to sync up because, like I said, all our passions and desires don't—they're not always from the Lord. You know, they're kind of from selfish motivations, and we got to sync up our hearts with the Lord. Here's a God—you know—here's one of God's powerful promises to you in Psalm 37, verse four: "Delight yourself in the Lord, and what's going to happen if you would just go all in, commit all of your life to the Lord, seek Him." Delight yourself in the Lord. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. And a lot of people think, oh, you know what that means? Is that if I delight in the Lord, then he's going to give me everything I want. No, God's going to begin to give you and he's going to impart to you and he's going to show you the desires that make you truly you. The desires that he has given to you even before you were born, part of your shape, so you can begin to walk in that. See, he's going to give you the true desires that are going to make you, uh, that's going to make you feel fulfilled, you see. Seek God and ask him to give you the desires of your heart that will make an impact in this world. You know, take time to pray. Worship. Enter God's presence. You just got to pray. And, and instead of just thinking about yourself, you know, ask God, God, you know, allow my heart, allow my heart to feel deeply about the things that your heart feels deeply about. You know, Bob Pierce, you know, the founder of World Vision, he used to say, God, he used to pray this all the time. He says, God, let my heart be broken with the things that break your heart. You see? That's what it means to seek God and sink your heart with his. You know, ask him, God, will you sink my heart with yours? It's, it's, it's praying and asking God, God, let my heart be interested in the things that interest you. Let my heart be thrilled with the things that thrill your heart. It's so important to commit all of your life to the Lord and then you just seek Him out. You pray, you seek Him out and ask God to sync up your heart with His. Because when your heart is synced up with God, it'll just change everything. It'll change the way you see everything. You know? So often, so often, you know, we, we, we think, God, yeah, we want... You know, we want to see what you, we want to, we want to know the heart that you've given us. But we don't take the time. You know, we don't take the time to get into this word, to get to know him. We don't take time to pray and to seek him out and ask him to sing up our hearts. And that's so important. The last thing is this. You got to step out in faith. We got to commit our lives, all of our lives to the Lord. We got to seek him out, have a heart that's synced up with him. But then we got to do something. We got to step out in faith. That, that you commit your life, you sync up, and then you just go for it. And what is the reason, what is one of the biggest reasons we don't go for it? It's fear, right? Fear. You know, that we often allow fear, really, to kill the desires of our hearts. It's the fear of ridicule, right? It's like, we hear that little voice, well, who do you think you are to have a dream like that? Who do you think you are? Mother Teresa. You know, what, 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 Billy Graham, right, right? And, and we just think, ah, you know, I think this is crazy. I think people are going to think that I'm crazy. And when we allow these thoughts to just come in and discourage us, we're allowing them to take the courage from us, away from us, and from doing what God has called us to do. And passionate people... Don't allow other people and these kind of thoughts and the fear of ridicule to kind of 
discourage them and intimidate them from um, what God wants them to do. God's going to give you a big dream. It's like, well, who do you think you are? You see? You know? The other fear is the fear of failure. This is a tough one. I, I, you know, when we started the church, you know, I kept thinking, what am I going to do if the church doesn't work? <laughs> right? You know, I remember the last day we were at Mono Lagarde's Missionary Church, and they're saying goodbye and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like, we're going to miss you and all this kind of stuff. And I remember when the service ended, I'm driving home, I'm thinking, what if the church does not work? What if we fail? I can't go back to that church, right? It's like shame, right? You know, some of them gave you card. What, I got to go, here's your card back, man. The money's gone, but here's your card. <laughs> right? I mean, it's rough, right? Because like, oh, you know, and, you, and they might not never say it, but you're going to feel like, oh, I went home a failure, right? I thought, maybe I'll go back. Maybe I'll go move to Portland, you know? <laughs> I would go to Seattle, but those Seahawks out there, I can't go there. You know, go to Portland, you live there, don't know me, you know. But the truth is, there's always a number of failures before you have success. That success comes when we learn from the experiences we have. And the truth is, we learn so much more from our mistakes than the things that are, that are successes. This year, okay, I've never, I've been helping out with McKinley High School football for 12 years now. And, um, you know, followed football forever. I've never, ever experienced or seen a season like we're experiencing now, where um, we're just hoping for the team to get a first down. Okay? All right. We played Kaiser. And, and, and Kaiser is in our division. Kaiser High School is like, you know, maybe the bottom, um, probably the middle tier or below. They're not Kahuku, Waianae, and those teams, right? And we, we played them, and I counted the number of first downs. You got to go 100 yards in the field, right? You got to go 10 yards, you get a first down, and you can start all over, keep moving down. I counted two first downs. So far this season, we have lost games 73 to 0, 90 to 0. Last night was 32 to 0. We lost to Roosevelt 49 to 0. We, I think Waipahu, it was 40 something to 2. We had a safety against Mililani. It was, I think, 60 or 70 to 14 or something like that. And we had like a fumble recovery for a touchdown. And this one play, the guy slipped down, so our guy got to run in. That was it. And I've never seen a season. I've never even been a part of anything where you're losing 90 to 0. Right? But on last week, Wednesday, when we went to talk to the team at the school, that's what we talked about. It's like, you know what? It's a matter of what can we learn from this? You know? That what can we learn from this? That before success comes, you know, we got, and this is a new coach, a first-year coach, and so he's trying to set up his... You know, this has changed the whole culture of the whole thing. And we're taking his lumps. And, uh, you know, um, this, is, this is the bottom. I, I, God willing, this is the bottom tier. And next, we, we move up. And I know it is because the JV, which is the younger guys, there's two teams. The Vars is the, the, you know, the, the, the team. And then there's a junior varsity made up pretty much of freshmen and sophomore. And, and, 
And, you know, there, I can see that team getting better. You know, I think we lost 14 to 0. And that was like, that was amazing. And they were moving the ball and they were doing things. But, but if they had a fear of failure, then it'd be done. If the coach says, well, we're done, we failed, no, we're done. But the coach, even that on that Kaiser game, there was no fear of failure that he was demonstrating to his team. You know, because fear is going to just zap the heart. And so we can't fear failure. And the last thing is we can't fear the unknown. Sometimes we don't want to, God wants us to do something and we don't do it. Why? Because it's like, it's scary. We don't know what's, what it's like on the other side of that door. God might be giving you a real heart, you know, for, for children. And it's like, okay, there's, there's a sign up for a Sunday school and you kind of feel prompting, but you say, man, I've never done that before. You know, and there's this fear of the unknown, you know. And I keep, one of the things that I really just keep close to my heart is that old, you know, there's this saying, you see them on bumper stickers and other places, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I mean, that's a true statement, you know. And, and God might be saying, well, you know, will you just take that step of faith? And for some of you it might be, it's like, well, I don't, I've never taught kids nothing. And I'm going to take that step of faith. And now we, you know, in next week we start a ministry fair. It's going to be out there. There's going to be opportunities, opportunities for you to, to sign up, to serve. And it might be that. And it's like, okay, I'm going to sign up. You know, don't know what it's like. I'm going to sign up to be a Sunday school teacher. You know? And we're going to give you a lot of grace. So you sign up and say you start. And you're finding out, man, this really isn't what I thought it was. And it's not really fitting to what your shape is and the whole thing, you know, not to worry. Because after serving about a year, we'll pull you out. Okay? I mean, it's not going to be forever. It's just not going to be forever. It's just 52 weeks. You can suck, up, suck it up and, you know, I mean, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll find somewhere else for you. Okay? So you're not going to be stuck. Now you guys are, oh, no, I promise. I promise you will not be stuck. Okay? But, but there's that fear of the unknown. You know, when God told Joshua to go into that unknown land with all these giants and armies, and he said, go in there and conquer it. What did it require? It required faith more than anything else. And that's why God's exhortation to Joshua, Joshua 1.9 was this. This is my command. You just be strong and courageous. You don't know what's on the other side. That's okay. You know, don't worry about feeling, you know. Don't worry about what you can't see. Don't worry about what other people are going to think about you. You just be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Remember, God's going to give the desire and the power to accomplish what he wants you to do. You see, he's going to, he says, I am going to be with you. If God is calling you to something, if God is saying, look, here's your, sh- I created you the certain way, now go out there and just go for it. God's word to you is just be strong and courageous. He's going to be there with you. See, this whole message could probably be summarized in a single sentence. So why did you talk all this long? You could have gave us this one sentence. Okay, this is the one sentence. Find out what desires God has placed in your heart and do it for God's glory. Just find out what desires God has placed in your heart and you know what? You just do it for God's glory. That's what God is calling. That's what shape is all about. That's what the age of shape, that's what heart is all about. What is finding out what is the desires that God has given to you 
And you just do it for God's glory. Charles Garfield, he wrote this book called Peak Performance. And he studied all these Olympic class athletes and these trained NASA astronauts. And he discovered the common denominator for all these successful guys in these areas. He said the biggest predictor of success is a strong passion or heart for the work. You see, that's how important your heart is. That the strongest common denominator, the biggest predictor of success is a strong passion or heart for the work. It was more important than aptitude or intelligence. That's how important your heart is. When you begin to live your heart's desires, you're going to experience a joy that you're going to experience a sense of purpose you've never felt before. When you do what you love to do, you know what? The limelight doesn't matter. You're not doing it for other people. You're just, you, you, no matter if nobody was there, you just do it because you have your heart's desire in that. You know, I don't think Agatha goes, hey guys, what do you guys think? Auntie Agatha, right? Yay! No, no, she's just cooking away. She don't even, I don't think she's even met those who those meals on wheels go to. But she's just living out her heart desire. You know, I don't think Mother Teresa talked about the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, that's what I want to do. Do all these needy people. You know what? My goal, Nobel Peace Prize. To be on the cover of Time Magazine. I always wanted to be on the cover. I don't think that even entered her mind. I know it didn't enter her mind. She was living out her heart's desire. That's what heart is all about. You see? Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. God is giving us this opportunity to get to know how He shaped you. What are those spiritual gifts that He's given you? What is those heart desires that He's implanting upon your heart? You know, find out Find out what desires God has given to you. And you just go for it. And see what God does. See if he does not give you the power to accomplish what he's called you to. See, that's when we begin to live a life that is exciting. Where you see God showing up in these crazy ways. You know, we had a small group yesterday and said, what is one thing, one question you would love to ask God? If you could ask God any question. And one person said, well, you know, one question I want to ask is, why don't we see as many, why don't we see the miracles that we see in the Bible? When we start living out our heart's desire, we will begin to live out the miracles in the Bible. Because he's going to give us the desire and the power to accomplish what he calls us. You know, know, that person said, no, why, you know, we we heard about the story in Thailand where, um, after the tsunami and all that happened, they, they needed to fix their um, fishing boats. And so they started to pray to the God, to God, saying, God, we need lumber and wood to fix our boats. And all of a sudden, that night, okay, now this, is, this is, eyewitnesses were there that I, you know, I, I know one of them. And, and they, they actually had wood fall from heaven in piles. And when they took the wood, it was not just raw wood. It was kind of like lumber. And they, it, 
they were able to fit it on their boats. Like it was hand prepared for them. To which all of us here go, nah, come on. Nah, you lie. Who do you think you? Lie hoggy. No, I mean, but you know, I just kidding. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Right? Right? I mean, we, we, automatically we think, nah, that did not happen. Right? That's what we think. That would not happen. But when we know our heart and we begin to live our heart's desire, wouldn't it be just amazing to see stuff like that? And it's not because we want to see wood fall from heaven, but you can imagine what the people in that village thought. Hey, God is real. God is with us. All glory to God because God is the one. You see, God's given us spiritual gifts not for our own benefit, to bless others, to be a blessing to others, to make an impact. God's given us a heart's desire. Why? To bless others, you know, to make an impact in this world and to make people draw closer to the God who loves them. That's what shape's all about. And so, you know, get to know what your heart desires are. You know, sign up for a small group and, uh, you know, just keep coming back. Next week, we're going to be talking about those abilities that God has given you because God's given all of us abilities that we can use for His glory. All right, why don't you stand with me? And you might think, oh, come on, lumber from heaven. If you don't believe me, you got to believe Micah Chinin. So just see Micah Chinin. Micah, you heard that too, right? Lumber, right? I mean, right? And we're not talking about people who just like they were smoking funny things or anything like that, right? We're talking about people that we know are, are they're not going to lie about stuff like that, right? And it wasn't like they heard from, they heard from that person to that person. It was actually, they were actually there. So that's, I would love to see that. 